to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Bullock. People, organizations, and communities need to prepare for and respond to natural and man-made disasters in a timely manner and in the most effective way possible. Our program examines what is being done before, during, and after a disaster and those unexpected events to keep you in the know. Disasters can happen to anyone. The question is, when will it happen to you? Now, here is your host, business continuity and disaster planning expert, Alex Bullock. Welcome to another episode of Preparing for the Unexpected. I'm your host, Alex Fullick, and as always, we like to talk about things related to business continuity, disaster planning, disaster recovery, resilience, crisis management, and anything that can be related to these topics. Uh, as usual, if there is a topic you'd like us to talk about, please send me an email. Uh, go to the Voice America webpage. Um, look, for, There's a button underneath the graphics that says send the host a uh, email and you can send that straight to me. I do respond to everything and we'll see about getting you on the show to talk about your subject or we will see if we can get um, someone else to come on the show to talk about things. Um, you may hear some background noises as I am talking because uh, today I am uh, recording from Manila, Philippines at the 25th anniversary intern the International Emergency Management Society Conference, TEAMS. It's their 25th anniversary here. So uh, I'm recording. I'm, this show is about some conference follow-up, some of the things that are happening here and the guests and speakers and the topics they've got. The first day on uh, Tuesday, November 13th, we were, uh, the TEAMS that is, were guests of the University of Santo Tomas College of Nursing. They had a lot of great speech, speech ugh, I'm losing my voice today, speakers and uh, subjects. A lot of it was uh, about disaster risk uh, reduction, uh, resiliency and uh, management. They had some fantastic speakers uh, during the day. They do a lot of work here in Philippines. As you know, Philippines has been hit by a lot of typhoons and other uh, calamities over the years and rank, you know, in the top five for a lot of the impacts that occur. And, you know, they rank way up there for being susceptible to uh, different disasters. So they had a lot of great speakers here. And uh, we started the conference at the university here. Uh, we had some opening remarks and welcomes from the uh, Reverend Friar, uh, Mr. Julius Paul. Uh, fact, if I hope, hope I say the name right, Fatora. And he's the uh, resident uh, rector, sorry, not rector, uh, regent here at the College of Nursing. But some of the topics we had, uh, climate change mitigation um, by the Honorable Secretary, uh, Mr. Manny de Guzman. Now, I'm going to reach out to Manny and see if I can get him on the show. I thought his uh, talk on climate management, uh, climate change mitigation and management was really, really interesting and had some incredible points in there. So... I hope to get him on the show. I've got his uh, information. I'm going to reach out, and hopefully in the future, down the road, uh, he will be one of the guests on the show. Uh, we also had a panel discussion where we had uh, uh, different people talk about Philippines public safety, uh, new disaster management paradigms that are out there by Dr. Francisco Magno, and uh, we even had to talk about leadership in disaster management. We, uh, I already mentioned climate change, but we also talked about uh, current strategies in disaster risk reduction and climate change and civil protection and mutual assistance agreements and healthcare continuity uh, reserve corps. There's 
there's something here in Philippines that I'm not seeing back home in Canada or North America. There is a really bottom-up approach here. And even some of that is coming from people up in higher positions. They really want to create community resiliency. It's not just organizations, you know, or city hall or your local state or provincial governments mandating things. They really are out to help people, you know, that are based in the community, making them resilient, uh, providing resources to them. And tra that includes training in some places. And they're really using that approach to make local communities stronger. I know maybe to a degree some of that exists back home, you know, in uh, uh, North America. But here it's really their main approach. It's not just large organizations pushing it down. You will do this, you will do that. They're really communicating with local uh, community leaders, you know, neighborhoods, you know, even to that level, uh, you know, what needs to happen, how they're going to do it, and working with people so they learn it and letting those people provide suggestions. Well, this is actually how it would really work or what would help us best. And then adopting that. I think that's something we really need to look at uh, in North America. If it exists, then, and whoever's listening out there, please reach me. I want to get you on the show and I want to talk to you about it. But here I'm finding it's very different. And I've talked to other people here at the Teams conference, and they're saying the same thing, that it's a different approach from what they see from where they are, you know, in North America and um, in many European countries, not all, but many. Uh, European countries. So I think that's something that, you know, we can learn from uh, places like the Philippines and how they're uh, managing their disaster risk reduction. DRR is a term that's used here a lot um, by a uh, delegation from Korea, delegation from China, the Philippines, um, you know, and the other surrounding areas. It's really quite the term here and they take it quite seriously. And this community-based approach I'm really impressed with and I hope to be able to expand on that in the future. On our first day we had a lot of other uh, subjects. There were a couple that, there was one especially, it was a little uncomfortable I, I have to admit, uh, had to do with hospital rebuilding in uh, Malawi City which you may recall last year made the news when it was, um, how do we say this, taken over, you know, uh, sieged by a militant group and uh, I'm not going to name them because I'm not, not going to promote them or their cause, but caused so much damage and problems and the presenter got a little bit political about it and that was a little uncomfortable and I even, the person sitting beside me even said, you know, they, they weren't uh, happy with that, but, you know, be that as it may, what's, what was said was said. Still, um, there was a lot of information regarding how hospitals are going, what you know, how they're rebuilding, what needs to happen, what they need to help uh, protect the citizenry that are there and wanting to rebuild the city. Because it, some of the pictures we saw, I have to admit, were just how do I say this? You know, it was scary. You know, we see the pictures from Syria and Afghanistan and some of these other war torn countries, and here's you know, a city in Philippines that looks exactly like that. So, um, even though it was politically charged, there was still some uh, interesting information that came out of that. And then we also talked about uh, teams and what was happening with teams. Our president, uh, K. Harold Drager, 
uh, spoke up and talked about you know what Teams is doing and their involvement with what's happening. Uh, we had our vice president, uh, Gu Xiang Ku, uh, talk about emergency preparedness and response for catastrophes. And uh, Thomas Robertson, uh, who's, on, who's the team's regional director for North America, had an interesting, uh, he, he only scraped the surface on this, but preserving cultural heritage you know, as a result of climate change. I'm going to see if I can reach out to him and get him on the show to talk about this because this was a rather interesting uh, uh, subject, you know, especially with countries with a, a long cultural heritage, you know, old castles and old forts and, you know, things like that. You know, countries that have this huge, massive tourist industry and climate change is ruining some of these uh, sites that people are going to, which means that ruins the tourist industry, which can you know, really impact economies and how people live. So uh, I hope to get him on the show. Before I forget, I want to mention um, all the hard work that was done by the conference coordinator. Um, now I want to make sure I get her name correct and I don't say it wrong. Uh, it is Angeli Medina, um, <clears throat> who is uh, actually in the United States right now. Uh, however, is from here in Manila and helped coordinate everything here. She did a lot of work and it certainly couldn't have been easy trying to organize a conference residing in the United States uh, for uh, Manila, Philippines. But she helped put things together and we've made it here to the uh, conference. Um, you might hear some music in the background. We're having a break right now, uh, so uh, I'm recording a couple of spots here. So um, at the end of the day, we had a board meeting uh, for teams and we talked about some different things and the upcoming certification, which I believe there is a presentation uh, coming up soon on that one. Um, but our second day uh, is at a different location, but still here at the University of Santa Tomas, Santo Tomas, uh, a great uh, college uh, for nurses. And uh, we've talked about, uh, I mentioned this earlier on, Disaster Risk Reduction, DRR, uh, from South Korea. They had some amazing information of things that are going on. And I'm going to be reaching out to the presentation chair, uh, Yejin Kim. Uh, I, I certainly hope I'm saying the name correctly. And uh, talk to her uh, about what they're doing. I mentioned earlier the community-based uh, approach, and they've got some really interesting uh, ideas and things that they are doing. Um, they even have a building uh, that's been built and planned where they invite school kids, you know, to uh, to come by and they they practice some of these disasters, what they need to do, and how they can help um, themselves and keep things going. It's uh, really quite amazing to see the things that they do. So um, I hope to get her on the show and we can uh, give some insight on what's happening and maybe uh, spark uh, some fires under some uh, of our own local officials here. We also had a, a workshop from a, a company in China <clears throat> based in Shanghai and they're doing a lot of interesting things as well. They've got uh, shows, uh, sorry shows, They've got a facility, it's almost like a theme park, where they simulate different disasters and you go through and you find out you know, what it's like to experience an earthquake. 
and what's what it's like for a fire or a flood, you know, and uh, typhoons, things like that. And they go through the exercises <clears throat> to see how uh, people respond and what kind of things they need to consider and plans to put in place. It's really interesting. Uh, they were showing some graphics of what it looks like. And, you know, you feel like you're on one of those rides at a theme park you know, virtual reality type thing. And uh, it's got to be really interesting. I, I would love one day to uh, go to their facility and experience this. Um, but it was just fantastic. And uh, <clears throat> uh, like I said, I, it's something that I think is missing in North America. And maybe maybe because we don't get the big earthquakes or something. I don't know. You know, we certainly get our share of snowstorms and you know, tornadoes uh, in the Midwest and, you know, lots of rain and, you know, and floods. But, uh, you know, don't seem to have anything al along this line that uh, um, this company was uh, promoting. But hopefully one day. And so the, it's been very interesting, some fantastic information. As I say, my, my biggest thing that I, I, I'm taking away right now is this uh, bottom-up approach with community resiliency you know, and responses to disasters. You know, even in organizations back home, it all tends to come from specialists, you know, and say, this is what we will do. And, you know, that's not the same approach being taken here. So I, I really uh, am interested in uh, how they're doing this. So uh, the workshops are going very well here. Um, lots of information being uh, passed back and forth. Uh, quite a lively conversation, I guess you could say, about uh, potential teams certification. Um, there is a desire to create one, or at least the idea right now to create one, where um, it basically becomes the cream of the crop certification, you know, internationally recognized. Um, sometimes there are certifications that are regional based, you know, by nationality um, or uh, some certifications that cross borders but nothing really that's international based and uh, teams is uh, thinking of putting something together that's recognized by uh, you know uh, international agencies by governments um, so that uh, you know if you see whatever the designation becomes you know if if at all but they know when you see this designation on someone's resume they have the highest certification there is you know, they have the highest level of qualifications and, you know, there was a lot of talk and you know, putting age restrictions on it and, um, you know, uh, really having multiple levels of certification, which in my point, uh, the more levels of a certification you have, it devalues some of the other ones. You know, you're, you're just divvying up things. Someone who takes a, an exam can say they're certified in something when someone who's been around for 25 years has a designation, yet they've got the same designation or counted as the same. And you know, I'm not a big fan of that myself. Still, uh, it was a lively uh, discussion. Um, we had a great uh, presentation uh, from a couple of other uh, companies as well, um, providing their disaster uh, products and emergency response products that they've got. Um, how they can really help enhance emergency response certification, cer uh, not certification, sorry, uh, emergency response activities, you know, planning, response, preparedness, you know, mitigation as well. So some really good uh, information and
Uh, we're coming close to the end of the, I guess it would be kind of the second day now, because the first day was uh, you know, more dedicated to the uh, University Santo Tomas um, College of Nursing and the presentations they had. And today was a lot of workshops, you know, the first official day of the team's conference, really, even though we kind of had yesterday, but the first real full teams-only uh, part of the conference today, and had some workshops, you know, as I say, from the companies and uh, demonstrations, our uh, certification uh, talk, you know, so there's a lot of uh, things happening, and as the day finishes, I think there's only one more workshop to go through. I think we're talking with a couple more industry uh, representatives uh, talking about some of their products and new ideas that are out there. Um, then we have a reception later on tonight. Uh, so, But it's very interesting, the wide variety of people that are here, practitioners, um, a lot of academics. So you really learn different perspectives. If you're an emergency response person or a business continuity person, you can really uh, get some new ways of thinking and understand why some things are the way they are and how to push you know, people thinking and identify some of the tools that you want that sometimes don't even get communicated down to the practitioner level. You know, they tend to stay up in the atmosphere of academia, so to speak. However, there's a lot of uh, great information coming through, and I do recommend people um, attend teams, uh, conferences, or workshops, because it is a global organization, so they are everywhere. So, of course, I'm going to promote them, you know, as a non-profit. So uh, I do recommend take a look into it, especially if you're in the emergency management field of any level, and uh, get some new ways of thinking, some new tools that are out there, uh, a lot of great stuff. Uh, we are, as I mentioned, we're in Manila, Philippines this year, and uh, we've announced that we're going to be in Korea next year. Uh, now I don't have the dates in front of me. I think they're still back at the desk. But uh, I think it's November 12th to 15th in Seoul. I don't have any other details more than that at the moment, but the next conference will be there. I encourage everyone to take a look, and hopefully you can make it. But otherwise, we'll be right back with our second segment and uh, talking about more of the team's 25th annual conference here in Manila, Philippines. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Success doesn't come by chance. It's a decision to take a chance on you. Attending the University of Choice is a goal, but not a guarantee. Dr. Cynthia Colon offers you the formula of going from good, better, to best and increasing those chances of receiving that yes to your dream university. Get the one-to-one -one attention every student needs to succeed. Tune in to Destination University, live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers 
together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. You count. Tune into Interrevolutionary Radio and join the spontaneous wave of people all over the planet who, like you, are changing our world from the inside out. Follow the movement. Meet guests who are shaking things up. Call in and gain insights and courage to empower your own voice. Large or small, your part counts. So join us. Co-hosted by Helen Hillix, Todd Benton, and Chris Reeves. Interrevolutionary Radio airs live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you or someone you know interested in attending college? With both college tuition and college enrollment up 60% since 2002, there is a lot of competition, and careful planning needs to be a part of the process. Tune in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation, hosted by Elizabeth Heaton and featuring a team of college coach experts. We'll bring you the tips, techniques, and know-how to navigate the road to college and do so the smart way. Listen live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fuller. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com. Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected. And welcome back to the show. Um, as you know, I'm kind of giving a uh, Teams International Emergency Management Society uh, post-conference uh, summary update. And today is uh, day two, um, and t- day two was actually d- dedicated to a lot of uh, workshops. And different vendors came in to uh, display and talk about their products and the reasons why and who they're working for. Um, one of, and as I mentioned earlier, one of the biggest topics is really working with uh, groups at the community level to instill uh, disaster risk reduction, DRR. That's uh, the biggest theme here in Manila. Uh, and so we had representatives from Korea uh, in workshop one, uh, chaired by Yenjin Kim from South Korea, uh, Seoul, South Korea, sorry. And they had some uh, great stuff that they, they talked about, you know, working with the communities and their way of doing things. And then we had a company uh, from China, um, uh, Harain Best. I believe the the name is, with uh, Elaine Yang as the speaker. And this was interesting because they were talking about some uh, virtual reality simulations uh, and uh, building a kind of uh, theme park uh, to simulate disasters and uh, really help people, you know, train on what they would do in in situations. You know, they would simulate it, kind of like some of the rides uh, or, or if, uh, I don't know if you call them rides or, you know, attractions at some of the theme parks, you know, like Universal Studios, where you, um, or at least I don't know if it's still there, but when I was there, 
uh, you pretended you were you know in a real fire and you know those kind of situations and um, so they're doing that but doing it through virtual reality and you know to record how people uh, respond and you know was how they think and and act you know because and they're I think they're also trying to build in sensors so you know you you're not just watching it you know with these glasses uh, you're going to smell the smoke you know if if it's a fire so it's really interesting some of the things that uh, they were doing and then uh, um, we had another workshop and that was run by uh, Sandro Bologna from uh, Roma Italy and he is on the team's board of directors and he's in charge of the forthcoming uh, team's uh, certification um, that is being worked on. Uh, they're, they're looking at putting a certification uh, together in emergency management for teams and um, finding a way to make it uh, cream of the crop, so to speak, to help enhance existing certifications, not compete with. Uh, that's one thing uh, really uh, all the board members, including uh, myself on the advisory board, um, we don't want to end up with another certification that just gets lumped in with all the rest. So we talked about that and some ideas and things that they were looking at, and we got a lot of feedback from conference participants which is great because it's all going to be, you know, I hope, <laughs> incorporated, you know, and and um, analyzed and what can be done, what can't be done and um, that taken into account. And so that was a, an interesting discussion because there were a lot of good points that came out from people around the globe. You know, um, what, what are going to be the benefits of a team certification? What does it mean? You know, uh, a lot of cert certifications that are out there end up being um, kind of regionally related. You know, this area has this certification, that area has that certification, and Teams is looking at more because it's a global organization, think globally, act locally, as our president, Harold Drager, likes to say. We want to have our team certification to actually reflect that and be a global certification. You know, if you have this certification, it means XYZ in every country. So. But that's forthcoming. It's being worked on uh, by uh, a, a panel, and um, we captured a lot of feedback here in Manila. So I know uh, our wonderful team is going to take that back and create that certification. And I, when it comes out, I'm sure you know I'll have some sort of an update or a message at some point down the road. Uh, then we at our uh, final uh, workshop for the day, and it. Uh, had a, um, a, a selection, actually, of quite a few uh, uh, organizations of things that uh, mostly focused on ones that were in uh, China, if I recall correctly, and uh, the, the incredible things that they're doing. Um, we even saw a formula to create resilience. So based on certain, and I unfortunately I don't have that in front of me, but based on specific criteria, you know, you calculate a formula, and then you know how resilient a community is. And I'm thinking in my in my head, you know, how resilient uh, organizations can be as well. So uh, I'm thinking there's potential there for that to be moved into uh, another arena. But it was interesting to see how that can be done and the structures that are in place to support that. You know, um, resilience leaders and team members, um, which I guess you can equate to uh, the uh, incident command. Uh, system or the uh, crisis management team you know there are different names for uh, depending on where you are for this 
but they uh, have that in mind, you know, making resilient com communities or, or smart cities. I'm not sure if you're uh, familiar with that, um, and I think maybe one day I, I will have a show based on that. But smart cities, you know, in a very, very small nutshell, you know, uh, will help you know, with planning and the right people in place and roles and responsibilities and mitigation factors in place. Um, to uh, you know, mitigate potential risks and hazards, you know, cities become smarter and uh, stronger and able to um, uh, be more resilient to respond to various situations, you know, floods, hurricanes, tornadoes, um, whatever they may be. So that's what the uh, main part of to today's conference focused on, you know, they, these four workshops, and each one was uh, roughly two hours or so, and we had breaks in the middle. And um, at the end, we had our you know, conference reception where we spoke um, you know, to each other. We did a lot of networking, uh, had a few good laughs and uh, lots of pictures. My goodness, lots and lots of pictures. Uh, so, and uh, our newsletter, the team's newsletter, uh, the special edition one, um, of which I'm responsible for, will have some of those pictures, obviously, in there, you know, um, the, the venue and who, who attended and things like that. And I'll put some in, not all, of course, because it would just make uh, for way too big of a uh, newsletter, but we'll put some in there to show you uh, who's there and what's going on. Day three, now, this is Thursday, November 15th. Uh, turned out to be uh, a very interesting day. A lot of um, really uh, varied presentations. Um, and one uh, of particular was actually mine, of course. <laughs> uh, I did a, a, a keynote uh, speech this day as well, and uh, I'm quite accommodating, so mine jumped around uh, from different uh, time slots because uh, some delegates had to uh, f actually fly out in the afternoon and then come back the next day on Friday. Uh, so my presentation moved around a lot, but still I'll go through, uh, give a high level, uh, very high level overview of what we talked about. There are some very interesting ones here. We started off the day with the, uh, you know, trooping of the colors and you know, opening messages uh, from the rector of the Santo Tomas University, um, of which the team's uh, conference was uh, in partnership with. Um, and he gave a, a short uh, opening uh, speech uh, to all the uh, delegates, which was uh, really appreciated. Um, and uh, our president spoke uh, for a short time on some of the uh, developing activities that are happening within teams, you know, some, some of the projects that our uh, board members and other members are working on. And I hope to be getting on one of those one day. Um, I know my name gets uh, submitted every so often for specific uh, a task, but I would love to get involved with one of those uh, one day. Um, quite a few are with the European Union, but there are uh, quite a few other things that are happening and proposals going forward. You know, the certification, as I mentioned uh, earlier. So he gave us a, a good overall update on what is happening. Then our uh, first presentation, we uh, talked with uh, Leslie Jean Cordero from the World Bank. Now. Teams is actually doing some work with the World Bank and may, um, well, they've done it before and may be able to do some uh, work again uh, with the World Bank. So she came in and uh, talked to us and uh, gave us uh, an update on the state of civil protection in the world, you know, typologies, good practices, and ec economic returns. 
and she spoke for half an hour, uh, very knowledgeable, um, very well spoken, um, lots of fantastic information. And I just want to remind everyone that you know, these kind of presentations at Teams are not the usual, here's how you do a risk assessment type thing. These are uh, much more uh, in depth, you know, uh, much broader in scope. You know, so uh, they, these, these presentations are really you know, a, a good way for existing practitioners in business continuity, disaster planning, emergency management, you know, to, um, and, even, and technology as well, to really expand um, their skills and learn new ideas. I know I have been, and um, opportunities are opening for me, which is fantastic. You know, I, I really appreciate it, but the best thing that's happening is I'm learning from uh, some of these people. And then we had uh, um, something that I think is probably going to be groundbreaking if, if you know, the, if, if what happens, you know, with with this project um, moves forward, you know, and people really take to it, and organizations take to it. It was by Dimitar uh, Uzanov uh, from Chapman University in the United States, and his presentation was how to predict the ne predict the next big earthquake in Manila. Is it possible? Um, and it was uh, subtitled The Amadeus Approach, and I, I believe Amadeus uh, is the kind of name of the project he was working on. This was, uh, to a degree, quite stunning, I have to admit, uh, how to predict you know, earthquakes, you know, hopefully up to you know, 20, 30 minutes before they actually occur, to get warning signals out there uh, to people. And he showed us... Um, all his uh, the the application, how it works, you know, how it monitors, you know, uses satellites, um, ground sensors, you know, um, any uh, water type thing, you know, that changes, you know, in color or, you know, suddenly bubbles appear in a certain area, especially obviously along faults fault lines. And I'm in Manila, and we're right on a fault line, so. But it was really interesting to see, you know, how uh, this could work, and he demonstrated, and he gave us some insight that um, through some, it's not so much pilot um, projects, but I, I would assume something along that lines, um, where they, you know, were testing and uh, going through some, you know, finding all the bugs and things like that, but they were finding that well over 50%, um, it, it appeared that they could predict properly and accurately that yes an earthquake was going to occur so this is completely groundbreaking can you imagine places like you know san francisco that sits on a fault line or here in manila you know that the pacific rim of fire you know there's faults all over the place here but anyone that's on a fault to be able to predict you know if an earthquake is coming because you know every everyone everyone everywhere keeps saying you know the big one is going to hit you know, San Francisco's overdue, you know, there's more uh, happening all, all around the world. So, you know, 100-year disasters uh, seem to be getting shorter and shorter uh, in between. 100-year um, floods now seem to be occurring <laughs> every couple of years, unfortunately. But this is amazing, and I, I, I think I'm going to uh, try and get Dimitar on the show to talk about this, um, because the lives it could save is you know, staggering. So I, I'm, I really wish Dimitar all the best on his initiative, and I really hope it comes to fruition and um, we see the benefits of that. Um, our next one we had was a very interesting one, and uh, a new person 
two teams, actually. Uh, Tyler Gates from the United States. He uh, has a company that uh, works uh, with uh, virtual reality and, and using how to use virtual reality in emergency management. So he came here and obviously uh, my presentation, uh, my comments earlier about the Chinese company, um, they obviously are quite interested in uh, hopefully doing some work together. Um, but he, he gave us a presentation of, you know, the virtual reality and they're doing things with sensors as well, you know, how and how to deal with people. You know, sometimes you, you could put people in a simulation um, and you could traumatize them, you know, even though it's not real, you can traumatize them. So he, he was uh, giving us a talk about that and um, I was lucky enough to sit at the same table with uh, um, himself uh, and a couple of other people, Neil Dufty, who I'll mention uh, very shortly, and uh, Roman, um, sorry Roman, I don't have your name in front of me, uh, from South Africa and Snezana from uh, Croatia. We were sitting at a table, so we got to have some good chats about this uh, virtual reality and the, the potential it's got. And um, Roman, who I just mentioned, and you know, I am going to find his last name if it kills me. Uh, but he came up and gave us an, an update on uh, scoping and understanding uh, of you know some of the water uh, problems and issues uh, that uh, South Africa has had. You know, one country is having a drought, uh, sorry, one half of the country is having a drought, and the other half is, you know, getting lots of rainfall. So how do you manage all of that? You know, and um, uh, there it is, Roman Tanzlik from uh, South Africa. So he had a really interesting presentation about all of that, and uh, I'd like to get him on the show one day as well to talk about it. Um, and he's relatively new to teams as well. So uh, it was a pleasure to meet him and get his ideas on things. And then we moved on uh, to a presentation from India um, that had to do with, uh, you know, the cooperation and coordination between co uh, countries, not just, you know, an organization, organization and a community or two communities, but actually countries, how they can help each other. You know, um, think of here in Manila, a typhoon comes across the Philippines, well, it's not a wide country, so the typhoon continues on, you know, and hits somewhere else in Southeast Asia, you know, sometimes into China or Vietnam or, you know, Hong Kong, some somewhere, and you know how to work together to um, respond uh, to these disasters, but also how to prepare for them. You know, put mitigation factors. You know, um, projects to help reduce the impacts of typhoons when they occur. So those are some uh, just very knowledgeable. Um, uh, presentations. And I've come to the end of our uh, second segment, so I will be right back with the final segment, and I'm talking about the International Emergency Management Society team's 25th annual conference in Manila. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Success doesn't come by chance. It's a decision to take a chance on you. Attending the University of Choice is a goal, but not a guarantee. Dr. Cynthia Colon offers you the formula of going from good, better, to best, and increasing those chances of receiving that yes to your dream university. Get the one-to-one -one attention every student needs to succeed. Tune in to Destination University, live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. You count. Tune into Interrevolutionary Radio and join the spontaneous wave of people all over the planet who, like you, are changing our world from the inside out. Follow the movement. Meet guests who are shaking things up. Call in and gain insights and courage to empower your own voice. Large or small, your part counts. So join us. Co-hosted by Helen Hillix, Todd Benton, and Chris Reeves. Interrevolutionary Radio airs live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you or someone you know interested in attending college? With both college tuition and college enrollment up 60% since 2002, there is a lot of competition, and careful planning needs to be a part of the process. Tune in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. Hosted by Elizabeth Heaton and featuring a team of college coach experts, we'll bring you the tips, techniques, and know-how to navigate the road to college and do so the smart way. Listen live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fuller. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com. Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected. Welcome back to the show. Uh, today I am giving a post-conference summary uh, update uh, from the International Emergency Management Society Conference in Manila, um, which ran from November 13th to November 16th. And uh, continuing on, uh, on our day three activities, um, we had uh, Thomas Robertson, who is the uh, United States USA chapter uh, head for uh, Teams. And he talked to us about uh, different applications of advanced information technologies to disaster risk reduction. So he, he was identifying things like new technologies that are out there and applications, you know, even drones, um, which uh, had a lot of, um, uh, didn't get into the, the details of them um, because they're, you know, those can be presentations all on their own, but uh, gave us some new ideas of what's out there, um, how they can be used, uh, you know, proactively. You know, like it's not, unfortunately, a lot of people still think that everything is uh, response triggered you know disaster has to occur before we do anything but you know these applications and some of the things that many of these speakers including uh, Tom uh, from the USA you know there's technologies out there we can use proactively you know with the, we can mitigate the impacts and disasters and I think that's fantastic 
And after Tom, we had Neil Dufty. And Neil and I touched base on quite a few uh, subjects um, through the last few days, and we're actually taking the same uh, car to the airport um, in about an hour, actually, as I'm recording this. And his was a new approach to disaster education. Um, I'm definitely going to get um, Neil on the show to talk about this because I think education is very important. Uh, even if you've been in the field for a long time, some of the struggles you have is getting your message out. And some of the new people is understanding what that message is. So I want to get him on the, uh, the show to talk about um, his presentation. A um, lot of great ideas from Neil. And um, then we have to do our formal um, activities. As it was the team's uh, conference, we had to do our you know, board of directors uh, annual general meeting uh, for an hour. So we voted a couple of new people uh, to the board, a new representative to the South, uh, to the Asia uh, area, you know, a new representative uh, for there. Um, the creation of the uh, a, a reinstatement, I guess you can say, really, of the Philippines chapter, um, and elected some to that position. Um, you know, we go through our formalities. You know, accept the minutes and you know any questions from the previous conference, and you know, uh, making sure that we're you know all those formalities. You know, that you have to go through. You know, being a uh, registered uh, organization in Belgium in Brussels there are specific rules that you know, organizations must go through like this. So so we had a, a lot of formality, and I'm sure some people were probably just tapping their fingers. But we got through it. We did it. Um, our fearless leader, Harold, took us through everything, and we got it done. And we got new people in place, and uh, we are moving forward uh, for our next year. So uh, it turned out great. And then uh, at that, of course, it was time for lunch. And after lunch... Um, we then went on to um, a few more presentations. Uh, we had uh, Snezana uh, Nezik. Sorry, Snezana, if I'm saying the name wrong. My apologies. Uh, she spoke about operational procedures for the long-term cultural heritage adaptation uh, strategies against climate change-induced disasters. Really interesting because I mentioned earlier Teams works with the European Union um, as an example on various projects, and this one is called Heracles. And this, uh, Snezana's uh, presentation was about um, how we protect, you know, cultural heritage, you know, through disasters, you know, whether it be rainstorms, you know, earthquakes, or anything along those lines, you know, how we identify proactively when something may be impacting them. And some people may say, well, so what? You know, it doesn't matter. Uh, Snezana had a really interesting point, which um, I'm going to mention now. Uh, some people were kind of questioning, what's the value of that? Well, there are countries in the world that, you know, really strongly have their economies tied to tourism. So if we don't protect any of the heritage sites that these countries have, their economies and the people living in those countries can be severely impacted, not just by an earthquake or you know a flood or something like that. They might be able to bounce back, but the economy may not because the people aren't going to be coming in anymore because the site that they would have come to see no longer exists or has fallen into the ocean or you know burned to the ground or whatever the case may be. So it was really interesting to hear her her thoughts on that. And um, I believe, if I remember correctly, the project is to conclude 
uh, early next year, I think in the spring, April, I think I heard the, the time frame. They've done a lot of work on a couple of sites, you know, just to, you know, identify how things work, um, you know, how you identify uh, risks associated with these sites. I, uh, one is in Italy, and I know for sure, and I think the other two were in Greece, um, and the Palace of uh, Knossos uh, is one of the uh, sites that are actually part of this project, you know, that they're investigating. So it's really interesting to hear, hear that. Then uh, we talked with uh, Sandro Bologna, again, uh, from Italy, and he said, f he talked to us about from protection to resilience. So what resilience is, you know, how some of the things we can do to make our communities, uh, countries more resilient, you know, and people as well, some of the things we need to have in place, you know. Um, uh, he, so it was an interesting talk because I know we've had people speak on resilience here on the show before. So it's good to see that, you know, it's, it's not just organizations who need to be resilient, but, you know, we have to bring that up a level. You know, governments need to be re resilient and, you know, overall countries, you know. And I know the theme here was uh, for this uh, conference seemed to be at the uh, local level. So, um, you know, everyone and everything needs to tie into resilience. It's not just, you know, one community is resilient, so we're all fine. No, you know, we need all the players. So he had a, a great speech. And then, believe it or not, it was me. And I spoke about the different things that uh, I've had on the show here. Mine was actually called, I Heard It on the Internet, Common Emergency Management and Business Continuity Challenges. Uh, I was originally supposed to talk tomorrow, but I ended up speaking today, um, or the third day, which, is, which was fine. Um, and, you know, I went through some of the challenges that you, our listeners, have sent notes to me and some of the presenters, you know, things like lessons learned. We've had quite a few people mention lessons learned and the challenges um, related to that and the challenges of the ever-changing uh, technology and the advancements being made and communications and terminology, you know, how we struggle with different terms, you know, depending on the industry we're in. You know, and so I talked about uh, that, went over very well. I was quite happy with it and um, thankfully, <laughs> so were, so were the, the people who were listening, um, which was good. I quite enjoyed uh, doing that and hope to do it again uh, for teams. I am going to uh, consider doing something for the Seoul uh, conference uh, next year, which we're uh, uh, hashtagging, uh, I hope we hashtag, as a see you in Seoul uh, next year. Um, so I'd like to be able to do that again. And in the afternoon, we had Yaroslav uh, Pechkov, who uh, talked about smart cities, uh, secure haven or threat. Uh, Yaroslav is from the Czech Republic, and he is in charge of the advisory board of directors for teams, of which I'm a member. So in a way, Yaroslav is my boss <laughs> when it comes to teams. Um, and he had a, a great talk about smart cities, and I mentioned that earlier on. You know, uh, the things that are associated with it, the positive things, the threats, you know, uh, associated with it. So he went through that. Um, I think I think one day I should uh, uh, reach out to uh, maybe Yaroslav and see if we can get him on the show to talk about smart cities, you know, or somebody anyway to talk about smart cities. It is starting to come up more. We had a talk about India um, doing that as well uh, from the India uh, representative um, uh, Kailash uh, Gupta. He is actually the president of the Teams India chapter, and you can reach him through. Uh, the teams.org uh, website. Uh, if you look under chapters, 
and there's India listed, um, and you can send them an email, and it goes straight to Gupta, and he can you can reach out to him. Um, but he uh, also talked about um, resilient cities, you know, and that was uh, actually on our last day. I, I guess I moved over to the next day, didn't even realize it. Uh, it's but he talked to us about the world's 100 resi resilient cities, you know, smart cities, and in particular uh, Jaipur. Uh, India and uh, gave us some great examples there. If you um, uh, let's see, I, I have it scribbled here. If you Google 100 resilient cities, uh, Jaipur uh, should be in that list there, and you can get some information of what uh, Gupta was talking about. So, if you do have any questions about that, please feel free reach out to Gupta through the Teams India uh, site. And we also talked with Sunju Wang from uh, South Korea, Seoul, South Korea, uh, who uh, talked to us about hazard vulnerability analysis. And that was uh, interesting because they had a calculation of how you um, uh, can calculate HVA, uh, to shorten it. So um, it was really interesting, a lot of information there. And then we talked with um, the, uh, the, uh, Renato uh, Solidum Jr. Uh, who is the Undersecretary for Disaster Risk Reduction and Climate Change, the Department of Science and Technology uh, in the Philippines here. And he talked to us about uh, the current strategies in earthquakes, disaster risks uh, reduction. So uh, we talked to, to him for a while and he told us what was going on here and what they were doing. And our final presentation came down to uh, Rami Mel Cabudil, who is the President of the Business Continuity Managers Association of the Philippines. And he talked to us about, um, you know, people and supply and information uh, resilience uh, here in the Philippines and, you know, some of the work that he's doing. And uh, he's also going to be working with some of the uh, chapter people here for with the uh, team's chapter for the Philippines. Um, so it was good to meet him. It's always good to uh, chat, even if briefly, with other people in uh, business continuity. So we talked uh, to him for a while. And that ended up being our show. Um, well, the show, sorry, the conference. You know, we did have a closing um, uh, lunch and we had a, a tour of some uh, facilities. Um, we went to the uh, Office of Civil Defense and saw how they um, have huge, massive walls, you know, of monitors and uh, following disasters, you know. And as of recording this, in two days, there's supposed to be a typhoon of some sort. I don't know how strong it is or how strong it will get or if it will hopefully fade to nothing more than just a rainstorm. Um, but tracking that and uh, activating resources to address that, some uh, very interesting stuff and they, they talked to us and we got to meet some high officials that came in and um, spoke to us. You know, very unbelievably respectful. You know, it felt like a rock star at one point. Um, we went to another um, um, MMDA and I've Manila Municipal Disaster Authority, I think. If I hope I'm remembering that correctly, they actually shut the streets off around their building for us, so we could pull up. They had a band playing. They had our flag flying, um, and uh, we felt we really felt like a rock star. We had a police uh, escort um, to and from their facility back to you know our main point of. Uh, um, where the conference kind of was here at the Manila Hotel, you know, uh, well, where most of us were staying at the Manila Hotel, sorry, I should re rephrase that. 
Um, and you know, when we came out after seeing their emergency command center and um, finding out what they do in Manila when disasters occur and who's involved and you know, seeing their facility, uh, we stepped out of the building and uh, all their employees were outside cheering. It was absolutely incredible, and we got we met a very high-ranking person in the government who uh, came and shook our hand and you know welcomed us. Uh, it it wa really, truly was uh, an unbelievable, surreal kind of experience. Um, one I'm not soon to forget. You know, so everyone that was involved, if you're hearing this, thank you so much. You made us all feel unbelievably incredible that day. Though I'm sure other drivers didn't like us because we had the police escort and traffic here is notorious. But that uh, that kind of wraps up everything for us. So that was our conference here in Manila, uh, Manila, Philippines, uh, with the International Emergency Management Society, TEAMS. Uh, great conference, some great presenters and some great uh, people. Had a really good uh, laugh or two sitting at... Uh, uh, the table that I was at uh, with people from Slovakia, Australia, United States, South Africa, Czech Republic, um, and myself representing Canada. We had a little United Nations sitting at our table, uh, but it was really a lot of fun. Uh, enjoy it. So if you want to uh, increase your emergency management uh, academic skills, uh, this is the place to come. You know, people in the field, you know, we need to know what's going on in the academic area to help us with our roles. So... I recommend attending the next conference, annual conference anyway, at least, is in Seoul, Korea, November 12th to 16th. So I hope uh, to see some uh, new fresh faces there. And as a reminder to everyone, I will be at the Continuity and Resilience Today conference in Toronto, May 29th to 30th, 2019. We'll see you there. And in the meantime, stay prepared, everybody. Thank you for joining us for Preparing for the Unexpected. Please tune in for another edition featuring your host, Alex Bullock, next Thursday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you here next week.